Salutations, everybody. This is John Kyle coming to you today with episode 18 of the Dark Matter Myth Podcast. This one here is called Too Closed to This Closure. Thanks for tuning in. This episode is a little bit different today because this is a part two from the previous episode, which was called Too Close to Disclosure. And what we're going to be doing today is continuing a theme of UFOs and extraterrestrials with a little bit more detail and a little bit more information. Ever since I was young, as a natural stargazer, I was always interested in the extraordinary and This topic specifically has been of great interest to me since as long as I can remember. And, you know, as a stargazer, as a person who is open to new experiences, I've definitely seen some things for lack of a better word. But within this regard, I definitely am not alone. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to jump to India. 10,000 years ago. More specifically, a place called Chattisgarh, where the locals from 10,000 years ago were drawing cave paintings. And among these cave paintings were figures with large heads and small appendages. These cave drawings remarkably fit well with the typical phenotype that we assign to uh, what we know as the greys. But nonetheless, this discovery was so remarkable that the State Department of Chattisgarh reached out to our own NASA to help them find better answers to what they could be looking at. Now, one thing I do know about the people of India is that they are highly educated. And when your State Department of Archaeology reaches out to another country's space program, You know, I think the intention behind a request like that is clear cut. Nonetheless, the Indian people weren't the only people painting such beings. And we're going to jump 5,000 years ahead into the future, into the North American continent, specifically the Colorado region. And the year is 6750 B.C. Here in Colorado, among the plateaus and between the canyons, the local natives would paint figures. And these figures were of such importance to draw upon the walls of the canyon and caves that they would have to mix clay, their own blood, and urine in order to make the paint. And what they would draw upon these walls could be described as otherworldly. They drew clusters of otherworldly beings that were similar in depictions to the ones that were seen in India 5,000 years prior. Both depictions were of something that was not human. And the phenomenon wouldn't stop there either. Similar art has been found in Australia, Mexico, Tanzania. And what this lets me know was... In a world prior to the internet, clusters of people were having similar experiences and these experiences were so important that they strive to document them the best they could. 
as humanity progressed forward and we became more domesticated over the centuries, eventually we stopped connecting with nature and we stopped connecting with one another and we relegated ourselves to these cozy buildings and these buildings had heat and television. This is technology progressing forward. So with this ancient connection lost and society shrouded in this large blanket of amnesia, it would be nothing less than earth shattering and traumatic to find that human civilization wasn't the top of the food chain. Before Tom Cruise on October 30th, 1938, meant as a Halloween special, Orson Welles began reading adaptations from the novel The War of the Worlds on broadcast radio. Because many people tuned in later, they didn't understand that the reading was a dramatic interpretation and in fact wasn't real. And up to this point, humanity didn't have a reference point or a framework for dramatic interpretations of novels on the radio. This was the first of its kind. And what happened was chaos broke out upon the streets. Alongside frantic calls to the police, there were also mass stampedes and suicides. While these consequences were unintended and unexpected, they spoke to the fragility of the human ego and served as a major reference point as to why to keep society in the dark and misinformed of many subjects. Inching forward to about 20 years into the 1950s and 60s, our society would remain fragile. As the struggle for human rights ensued, there was a particular line of thought that remained prevalent in society. Taken from a WALB reporter, Jim Knight, in 1964, Jim Knight conducted simple interviews at a local shopping area with the people of Albany, Georgia, and when conducting these interviews, this is what he found. Jim Knight with WALB Television News. We're soliciting the views of Albany people on the Civil Rights Bill. Would you like to give us your views? Well, I think if they remained peaceful, it would be a lot better than perhaps the violence that was a concern. Uh, well, of course, being a southerner, I'm not for it at all. I We're soliciting opinions on the Civil Rights Bill. Would you like to give us yours? I'm sorry, but I don't think it's the time right now. I think they have equal rights, though. Thank you very much. Would you like to express your views? No, I don't think so. How about you? Nope. What I'd have to say wouldn't be fit to go on air. Thank you very much. I don't like it. I think you're just trying to put something on, on us that we don't want. I see. We ought to have a national election on it rather than just let nine men tell us what we've got to do. And how about you? I feel the same. All right, thank you very much. Well, I sure don't like it, that's for sure. I see. Do you feel this will have any effect on your life directly? I imagine it will. During the same year in 1964, published out of Washington, D.C., the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon released a 186-page comprehensive study. This document will be included in the description to this podcast. 
This publication is interesting because it's very comprehensive, especially for its time. It's broken up into 14 sections, and I'll read each section for you right now, starting with section two. Section two is intelligent control. Section three of the study, Air Force observations. Section four, Army, Navy, and Marine Corps. Section five, pilots and aviation. Section six, scientists and engineers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. Another thing that is so interesting about this document is that it contains a list of names, dates, hand-drawn observations, especially of craft witnessed by documented people. This publication is filled with thousands of encounters by thousands of people across the world, including dozens of tales of commercial aircraft being enveloped by UFOs and what could be described as mimicry or a playfulness to engage with our military craft. In summary, the document concludes that the phenomenon has been around since at least the 19th century and is deserving of much more study. The study ends in 1963 with its publication in 1964. However, there has been other documentation since at least 1953, which states adversarial governments, mainly the Soviet Union, were in possession of a UFO craft and were in the process of reverse engineering it. In the next document that will be provided in the description, uh, we can see the Soviet Union has their hands on technology that they claim can help them propel airships for more than 2,000 miles per hour. They say 4,000 kilometers per hour, but that rounds to about 2,485 miles per hour. For anyone listening, if you don't know, the typical commercial airplane flies at about 500 miles per hour. Nonetheless, these documents were published in both the 1950s and the 1960s. And by bringing these to the forefront, what this does for us is helps us see a deep rift and a deep contrast within humanity. We have one subsect of humanity witnessing a great technology and bearing witness to the most extraordinary circumstances and in some circumstances finding the ability to be hands-on with this technology and understanding the great implications it can have toward the unification and progression of humanity and while they're conscious of this great immense technology and its capabilities they're doing nothing at all to inform and to raise the vibrational frequency of people who seem to be emotionally and intelligently unaware toward the potentials of humanity and what we can find possible within this reality. Nonetheless, with the same mindset as the time when the government was much more determined and willing to make second-class citizens out of people who seem to metabolize sunlight just a little bit better, 
upon the same topic of UFOs and otherworldly craft, if we fast forward 60 years into the future, which is today, the government is still giving us the same answers. The reason being for that is this. The government is not meant to do anything groundbreaking or spearhead any major shifts of society. The government is only installed to keep itself running and to keep its economy flowing. Nothing more. However, without telling us much more on the subject, they have grown up just a little bit and revealed one thing in particular. During the latest congressional UFO hearing in 2022, Chairman Schiff, Adam Schiff, proceeded with this line of questioning to an official of the Department of Defense. Of those 144, 18 of them uh, reportedly appear to exhibit unusual flight characteristics, appear to demonstrate advanced technology, uh, and some of them appeared to remain stationary in winds aloft, move against the wind, maneuver abruptly, or move at considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion. Um, that's pretty intriguing. Uh, uh, and, and if you're able to answer this uh, in this setting, are we aware of any uh, foreign adversary capable of moving objects uh, without any discernible means of propulsion? Um, I think I would, uh, without discernible means of propulsion, I would say that uh, we're not aware of any adversary that can move an object without discernible means of propulsion. You know, I always find delight in the ambiguity of a politician, their <laughs> inability to say what they should be saying and kind of work around it. You know, this is true within this hearing, and it's also true within a particular document called the Intelligence Authorization Act for Fiscal Year 2023. Now, this document is, is, is pretty bland, and it was created by Congress sort of as a blueprint to how they're going to spend their money. But within this document, they managed to hide something really interesting and they hit it between pages 12 and 13. So at the end of page 12 into pages 13, there's a very interesting set of lines and I'm going to read them for you right now. This is within a section titled the modification of requirement for office to address unidentified aerospace undersea phenomena. And the set of lines read as starting in the top middle of page 13 with focus on addressing technology surprise and unknown knowns, temporary non-attributed objects or those that are positively identified as man-made after analysis <laughs> will be passed to appropriate offices, yada, yada, yada. So to contrast with the idea of man-made objects, they use the phrase temporary non-attributed objects. I've never heard that before, but there's a simpler way to say that. And the word we can use is alien. 
you know, more often than not, the only time people in this country are comfortable with saying the word alien is when they're referring to a brown person trying to make way into the country. But let's read the definition of alien. Definition one on the Merriam-Webster dictionary has alien as belonging or relating to another person, place, or thing. B, relating, belonging, or owing allegiance to another country or government. Or number two, differing in nature or character, typically to the point of incompatibility. By definition, this phenomenon and all of these sightings are sightings of something alien. Now, what I'm not doing is invoking any Hollywood representation of what may be at hand. But what I am saying is when it comes to these encounters, we're definitely out of our league. But ultimately, no matter how you look at the situation, be it from a position of pessimism or optimism, from a position of wonder or from a position of fear, none of it matters. One single bit. bit. Until each and every one of us has the capability to look upon one another and find an intrinsic sense of value in their being and in their essence, none of it matters. matters. Until each and every one of us can look into a mirror and see something that is worthwhile. worthwhile. Worth loving, loving, worth admiration, admiration, worth growth, and worth being born into existence. None of it matters. Until each and every one of us are lending a helping hand consistently to those most vulnerable and those less fortunate than us. None of it matters. It matters. Until each and every one of us are unwilling to destroy one another in acts of savagery and unwilling to no longer destroy this planet we live on and are willing to sacrifice to help it flourish and work in unison. None of it matters. Until Each and every one of us are willing to treat our vessels, our bodies with the utmost respect, with the utmost care and the utmost amount of love. None of it matters. And until each and every one of us, you and me both, are able to understand that every gasp and every breath we're able to take it's nothing less than a miracle. Nothing matters. Relative to these assertions and ideas I just put forth, your position on the food chain or on a scale of comparable intelligence is of the very least concern. So until all of us can finally grasp in totality the miracle and the blessing and the absolute gift we're given between every instant, second, and minute that passes us by. 
within the ultimate grand scheme of things, we will be unable to put this primitive chapter of humanity behind us and start anew. Or in much more poetically spoken terms, we'll be too closed to this closure. So once again, this is John Kai Law signing off with the Dark Matter Myth Podcast. Dark Matter Myth comic books, apparel, ebooks available on all platforms. And without a doubt, you should definitely pick one up. A lot of work has went into these and, and everyone who seemed to purchase them have found satisfaction with their purchase. And that's without a doubt. So thanks for joining me. It'd be cool if you share this. You should share it. You will share it. You know, the podcast has been seen by thousands of people throughout the world and it's on every continent. People are checking it out. It'd be better once I move to video and we'll get there eventually. I'm just not too fond of sitting in front of a camera, you know, but uh, we'll get there in time. So once again, this is John Kaya Law coming in with the Dark Matter Myth Podcast. Peace and much love.